I want to play more of what President Trump said today when he explained on this issue, explained why he's going to give Christian refugees a priority. They've been horribly treated. Do you know, if you were a Christian in Syria, it was impossible, very, very, at least very, very tough to get into the United States. If you were a Muslim, you could come in. But if you were a Christian, it was almost impossible. And the reason that was so unfair is that the everybody was persecuted, in all fairness. But they were chopping off the heads of everybody, but more so the Christians. And I thought it was very, very unfair. We've had very serious problems with Christians who have been murdered, killed in Nigeria. We're going to be working on that problem and working on that problem very, very hard because we can't allow that to happen. No, today with assurance that President Trump sees these crimes for what they are. Vile acts of persecution animated by hatred. Hatred for the gospel of Christ. And so too does the President know those who perpetrate these crimes. They are the embodiment of evil in our time. He calls them by name. And I'm here on behalf of the President as a tangible sign of his commitment defending Christians and, frankly, all who suffer for their beliefs across the wider world. I stand here today as a testament to President Trump's tangible commitment to reaffirm America's role as a beacon of hope and light and liberty to inspire the world. What you just heard was President Donald Trump promising to make Christian persecution a priority of his administration, and Vice President Mike Pence affirming the same. Well, if this is the case, why are we now hearing reports that the number of persecuted Christian refugees being admitted into the United States has dropped by 70%? Why is it that when you're speaking with North Korea's dictator Kim Jong-un and China's president for life Xi Jinping, that you are not speaking more forcefully about this issue? Well then, Christians, Donald Trump can't say stand from Charlotte, North Carolina, saying you can chase the law all over the world, but the truth, it stands where it stands, and we're taking a stand right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Once again, I am back in the glorious Truth Stand Studios, aka the second room of my house. I am recording through Audacity. I'm looking at the Dell laptop Experion computer right in front of me, and in front of that is the Galaxy Tablet S4, which is the repository of all the information you will be getting today. If you are on Facebook Live, or if you will be on Facebook sometime later, you are watching me record a snippet of this through the Pixel 2 XL, which always is on airplane mode. You are hearing the dulcet tones, as always, of the luminary behind the Blue Yeti blackout microphone. 
Say it with me, everybody. With the pop filter. All right. So it's been a long time since I've been doing this podcast. I had a season in my life when I just needed to hear the voice of the Lord. I needed direction. And I I was just in a place where I needed to know what my level of commitment was. And that's just all sorts of stuff, health issues. But I did get a new job, so praise God for that. And so I've just been very busy and just my focus has not been doing the podcast. But I am back. I am back and we're going to get started here. Anyone who knows me and knows my podcast, The Truth Stand, knows that I talk about the persecution of the saints probably more than anybody. I talk about it all the time. I guarantee almost every other episode on thetruthstand.org is about the persecuted saints. And I typically talk about it, particularly when politics is involved as it relates to the persecution of the saints. I mean, as you well know, what I believe is I don't believe we Christians should be politically active. I disagree with the, quote, moral majority. We shouldn't be this activist in politics. It is one thing to be a good citizen, but being a good citizen does not mean I'm supposed to be an activist. It is one thing to pray for my president, but the Bible never tells me to be a fan of my president, nor to be a, quote, supporter in the sense of I support my family, I support a cause, or I'm a fan like I'm a fan of the Lakers. Politics can not save you. But in particular, this episode, Donald Trump can not save you. Let me say that again. Politics and Donald Trump cannot save you Christians from the persecution that is to come. Our brothers and sisters overseas are facing the real persecution in countries like Somalia, in Sudan, particularly in Nigeria, where, of course, 10 Christians die per day in Nigeria. 10 Christians die per day in Nigeria. 11 Christians die every day in countries. Let me see. I believe it was 11 Christians. Hold on. Let me pull up that article real quick from opendoorsusa.org. I believe it was an article that I did a long time ago. No, it says, 11 Christians killed every day for their decision to follow Jesus in various countries. 10 of those are in Nigeria. It's getting worse in all these other countries, Iran, Iraq, Pakistan. And if they're not being killed, they're being chased around. They're being pursued. They're being put in gulags. They're being put in true concentration camps. No, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Ayanna Presley. What's happening at the border is not concentration camps. You wicked, abominable liars, you. What's really happening, what are concentration camps, are what is being ran in North Korea right now. What's being done in China right now. Why do I bring up North Korea and China? Why do I bring them two countries up in particular? Because they're two of the worst offenders. But they're also two of the countries that our president, Donald J. Trump, has relationships with. Now, he said negative things about China before, but he's also said great things about Xi Jinping, the president and forever ruler of China. He has this cozy love affair with Kim Jong-un for some reason. Now, here's the thing. When I say cozy love affair, I'm not saying, oh, he's going to allow them to get nuclear weapons or anything like that. But he speaks very highly of Kim Jong-un, who is the son of the former dictator Kim Jong-il. 
President Trump made a promise to Christians. He made a promise to Christians, not only in this country, but he made that same promise to Christians in foreign countries as well, that he would prioritize refugees, that he would prioritize Christian refugees. He said so. He said so. And I'm going to talk about that. But why am I bringing up President Trump? Why am I saying he can't save you? Why am I saying that he made a promise to us? And why am I even talking about this? Well, because recently that promise is being broken because of a new refugee policy, a new extreme vetting policy he has to keep Muslims or terrorists or people who are Muslims who commit acts of terrorism from countries that are state sponsors of terrorism. He has decided to implement a vetting process, but this vetting process has had the reverse effect of hurting Christians right now up to, let's see here, 70%. It says here, number of persecuted Christian refugees being admitted into the U.S. drops by 70%. Refugees are people who are saying, we want to come in this country because it is not safe for us in the countries where we are from. It is not safe for us in the countries where we live. We want to come. And he said he would make a priority out of Christian refugees. As a matter of fact, he made it such a point to where leftists got mad and saying, well, what about the Muslim refugees? Are you going to just ignore them? And he didn't either. But they're being hurt as well. But I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about saints. And what's happening is that Donald Trump is failing on his promise. Now, here's the thing. I didn't expect Donald Trump to keep that promise. Why? Okay, he's a politician. That's why. He didn't start off to be a politician, but he is one now. He knows he needs the Christians voting for him to continue to get elected. And he knows he needs to say all the things he needs to say. Now, you got to remember something. He is the president of the United States of America. He's not the president of North Korea, China, Pakistan, or what other countries. So that's very little he can really do, except for use his force of personality. And when he's actually having discussions and negotiations with China and North Korea, to make that a part of the negotiations. Now, in fairness to Donald Trump, he has done a few things. He has helped a few people, special high-profile people, get out of trouble. I don't know what he's going to do for ASAP Rocky, but for a lot of the Christians, he has done some good. There are some high-profile stories he's been able to be a part of. But for the majority, the Christian persecution is on the rise. And even in this country, we aren't bringing in as many of them as we can. And it's dropping by 70%. Meaning, if you have 10 refugees or Christians being persecuted, seven of them cannot come. That didn't used to be that way, but because of his new policy, it is now that way. President Donald Trump cannot save the Christian body. The Bible is clear that those who desire to live godly shall be persecuted. Do you think that the Bible was lying about this? No. In America, while we have yet to truly face the type of persecution and the second-class citizenship that others have faced. We are in trouble, big-time trouble. We are becoming ostracized and ridiculed all the more in this country. There's a fake Christianity or a false church being risen up where those people, I personally believe, will become our future persecutors. 
They will be the Christians that they will accept because those are social justice people. Those are leftists who want to push climate change and socialism and things like that. See, that's the fake church. That's not the church of Christ, but they will be accepted as the church of Christ and people like me will be persecuted or they will stand by and just watch the government do it. It's coming. It's coming. Anyone who's listened to the truth stand before knows I have cited incident after incident about the change of attitude about Christians and Christianity in this country. Poor Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Cake Shop out there in Colorado is still being persecuted and it's probably not going to stop. But with that being said, I wanted to read to you from this article to show that I'm not kidding about it. Once again, the article is number of persecuted Christians, Christian refugees being admitted into the U.S. drops by 70%. Now, despite the global refugee crisis being at an all-time high, the United States is admitting just a fraction of those religious minorities who are desperate to locate a safe place to live. On June the 20th, World Refugee Day, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees announced that a staggering 70.8 million were displaced last year alone. And tragically, many of those are from religious minorities and are fleeing fierce persecution in their home nations for the hope of a brighter future. Let me tell you something. There are some in that world who, if they want a job, the Highest level of work they can get in Pakistan as a Christian is to pick up somebody's garbage because that's what they think of you. That you're pure garbage. Despite continued efforts on behalf of the globally oppressed Christian community, the Trump administration has continued to drastically reduce the number of refugees admitted to the United States, leaving thousands of Christians at risk of brutal treatment. Now, here's the thing about all this. Am I saying this to diss Donald Trump? No, because I happen to like some of the things he's doing. I understand that there's only so much he can do, but at the same time, when you implement a policy that is purposefully kicking Christians out or not allowing Christian refugees to come in and the number of them are being reduced year after year after year, there is a problem. Now, is that being addressed by the conservatives on talk radio and on TV? Nope, 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 nope. Is that being addressed by people like Paula White, who is supposed to have the president's ear uh, as an alleged Christian liaison to Donald Trump? Nope, 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 nope. Why? Because that makes Trump look bad. That's why. And I'm letting you know, Christians, that seriously, Donald Trump can not save you. Here's a few quotes about politics. And this is coming from a book, Why Government Can't Save You. And this is written by John MacArthur. It says, quote, rather than demanding our rights and creating for ourselves a world where we feel safe and accepted, we need to see the deep spiritual needs of the world and concern ourselves with offering people hope through Jesus Christ. That's what being a living sacrifice is all about. Finally, by making activism a priority, we fashion a reputation as rebel-rousing malcontents and foster hostility towards unbelievers that alienates us from them and them from us. We need to let go of that notion and of that culture. Our duty as we relate to an increasingly secular and ungodly culture is not to lobby for certain rights, the implementation of Christian agendas, or the reformation of the government. Rather, God would have us to continually remember Paul's instructions to Titus and to live them 
as we seek to demonstrate his power and grace that can regenerate sinners. In other words, our life is about Christ and the gospel and not political activism. Donald Trump can't save you. What bothers me about a lot of Christians and their support for Donald Trump is that they cheer this man on. They cheer his activities. They cheer his behavior. Any and everything he does, they think it's great. Why? Because they're trusting Donald Trump to do for them what nobody is going to be able to do for them, okay? And that is troubling, which brings me to another point about how Donald Trump can't save you. Why are we cheerleading this man when he is conducting himself in many ways that is ungodly and unchristian? Why are we cheerleading this man when he is calling people names? Why are we cheerleading this guy when he is picking fights with people he shouldn't be picking fights with? Why are we cheerleading this man? I can personally say, that some of it is because I like the fact that he, quote, fights back. I like the fact that he hits back against those individuals who are lying through their teeth. And let it be known, these people are lying, telling many, many lies about Donald Trump. Many, 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 many lies, okay? That is the truth. And I understand why he hits back against some of these people. I get why he quotes the things he quotes and says the things he says from a natural perspective. But I think a lot of Christians are rejoicing and celebrating and clapping their hands because they're tired of being insulted. They're tired of being ran through the dirt. They're tired of people Basically saying, oh, we got to protect Muslims, we got to protect homosexuals, we got to protect all these other classes of people, but the Christians, oh, no, no, it's open season on them. And so I think we are part of the people that's just applauding, applauding, applauding. And once again, this is not a judgment against Donald Trump, the man, because I am understanding why he does and says what he says and does. I get it. But as a Christian, why are you cheerleading this? Why are you taking this on as if he's speaking for you? He's doing this for you. He can't save you people. He's not to be idolized. What is the point of this podcast? To bring some perspective to the whole Donald Trump thing. Because I'm seeing a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians who do not have proper perspective on Donald Trump. What's the proper perspective? We cannot lose ourselves in a fandom for the man. I'm not supposed to be a fan of politicians. I'm supposed to pray for them that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. But guess what? Donald Trump isn't going to be able to do that for you. That quiet and peaceable life only comes through Christ. Let me tell you something. I'm going to read some scripture to you here. And I want you to think about the things that Donald Trump says and the ways he acts. And I want you to see how this lines up with Jesus. All right. Now, I can already hear you. You're saying, Luminary, he's not Jesus. Luminary, he can't be Christ. No, no, no. But we're supposed to be. Why are you cheerleading a man who's engaging in behavior that you aren't supposed to be engaged in yourself? That's the point. Balance, people. Balance, balance, balance. Let me turn to scripture in Mark chapter 14. 
Mark chapter 14, this is, of course, Jesus has been arrested, and now Jesus is being tried and sent everywhere. And this is Mark chapter 14, ESV version. And he's being lied on. Jesus is being lied on. This is why Donald Trump hits back at everybody, right? Because he's being lied on. He's being disrespected, right? This is why he's hitting back. But check this out. What are we supposed to do when we are going through? At verse 59 or verse 60. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Then drop down, Jesus made a comment that the high priest hated. And then the high priest tears his garments and he says, what further witnesses do we have? Matter of fact, this was the statement Jesus made. Jesus said, I am the Christ of the blessed and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And so they said, whoa, wait a minute. What further need do we have? What blasphemy he kicks or he says, and some begin to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him saying prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. But guess what? Jesus never said a word during that time. We see here starting at verse six, and I can't read the whole thing for the sake of time, but basically now we're at the feast. He's before Pontius Pilate, and there was a ritual where they would release a prisoner at the feast, and there was a notable prisoner by the name of Barabbas, but Pilate, because he knew that Jesus was brought up on phony charges, basically said, uh, and basically challenging and daring them, he says in verse, starting at verse nine, and Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release them Barabbas instead. And Pilate said again to them, then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away. And you know the rest of the story. They put the crown of thorns on him. They put a purple robe on him. They struck him in the head. They spat on him. They kneeled to him in, of course, to mock him, claiming to be paying homage. And when they had mocked him and stripped him of the purple cloak, they put on his own clothes and they led him out to crucify him. Now I'm going to read one last passage and I'm going to wrap it up here. One last passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 22, he being Jesus. Well, let me start at 21. For, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. He was reviled. And get this, he was reviled. And when he was reviled, he, Christ, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Now, I read all that scripture to you for a reason. What was Jesus' response when they were lying on him? When he was in a situation when death was imminent, 
that he was going to die. He was being tried to be put to death. And when they were lying on him, Jesus had no response. Jesus had no response. Now, we are supposed to be imitators of Christ. Guess what's going to happen one day, people? You're going to have to one day give a response for what you believe. And you're going to have to give a response that's going to have to be spirit-led. It's going to have to be full of courage. And you're going to be brought before kings to bear witness and testimony unto him. The day will come, Christians, where that's going to happen. Unless you're gone to be home with the Lord first. That day is coming. Jesus, in the midst of persecution, said nothing. In the midst of all these people lying, said nothing. But yet, Donald Trump, what does he do? Every time someone says something bad about him, he punches back. And what do we Christians do? We applaud. We applaud. No, 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 no. Our master when he was being reviled, he reviled not. When he was being threatened, he threatened not. That's all Donald Trump does is talk back. Once again, I am not judging the man for earth reasons why he has to do this with people who are daily lying upon him. I mean, think about this whole Russia thing and the whole Robert Mueller thing. Two years of lies. Lies on top of lies. Every time he turn, you turn around... He's being called a racist. His supporters are being called racist. Every and everything he does is racist. And he's just being assaulted again and again and again. Fake news all day long. People lying. He's had the, the powers of government turned against him. Academia's against him. The entertainment complex is against him. A whole lot of people. Sports figures are against him. People talk about this man all the time. And guess what? He retaliates all the time. And you applaud it, but you can't. You can understand it, but you can't applaud it. Why is this so important? Because, see, if you think Donald Trump can save you and you're hoping he's going to make your world better, think again. Think again. And all this applauding him is because you are a fan and you think he's going to save you. You think he's going to make your country better and your world better. And my friend, he's not. The Bible is absolutely clear. We are a fallen world. And that fall is going to continue to happen. What's the point of everything that I'm saying? You can pray for the president. You can understand where he's coming from. You can even be a supporter. That's between you and the Lord. But one, we weren't called to political activism. Two, we weren't called to take sides. And three, you don't want that stuff negatively impacting your witness. You know, Christians didn't used to be involved in politics for the number one reason why. They thought it was a distraction from the gospel. And guess what? They were right. It is a great distraction from the gospel. Our culture and our society is a great distraction from the gospel. But we're called to be imitators of Christ. When he was reviled, he reviled not. You're not to celebrate Donald Trump when he does these things. I'm sorry. You just you just can't. And even I, even I have to catch myself doing that. Even I, I consume way too much politics. I'm admitting that. In some ways, I am a hypocrite. But I'm sharing this to you because I'm also sharing it to me. That we have to keep in perspective 
what our true mission is as Christians. And that is to carry the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ and to live like Christ. Donald Trump can not save you from the persecution to come. Be ready, saints. Be prepared. Be vigilant, saints. And that's it. That's the end of the podcast. That is the end of the podcast. You've been listening to The Truth Stand. I am your host, The Luminary, saying you can chase law all over the world, but the truth, it stands where it stands.